All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. This is about sports gambling. There's so much, so much to cover. My CEO of the podcast, Tate Frazier, is on. What's up, Tate? Not too much. Got a draft tomorrow. Big times in the world of sports. Got the draft tomorrow, but probably tonight for those listening, who, you know, just were too lazy to download us early, <laughs> or late at night, but uh, you're loving life, really, outside the box. They can call Anthony, the number three player in the land, picked up by North Carolina, right? Yeah, biggest recruit that North Carolina's brought in since Harrison Barnes, and uh, back then, Coach K threw a chair through a window in his office, so, uh, you know, it's good times. Good times to be a Carolina really? fan. Oh, yeah. see, you already won. I don't even know what you did that season, but that, that's a win. <laughs> yes. That, that goes, that, that's way better than cutting down the nets, having that's, Coach K throw a chair through That's all you need. Window. That's all Harrison Barnes was good for, so that was perfect. There you go. On the light right now. Also, can't do this without them. My gurus of gambling, my barons of betting, my wizards of wagering, the degenerate trifecta, brother Bri, Harry, Darren, the parlay kid. Darren, parlay kid, let's start with you. Lots of NHL, NBA. I think aside from the crazy Dame Lillard shot, you got maybe the upset yeah. of Golden State in game two and the fight with Butler and, uh, and Dudley. Yeah. Otherwise, dud, dud, dud. Speaking of Dudley, uh, of a first round for NBA. I don't remember a dud this, this bad. Do you? Yes. I let me know what it is. We did talk about this last year. I think we saw this coming. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there weren't this many duds though. Dud after dud after dud. Like you said, I think you basically named about the, the three games that really stood out. And I love how, when we see these type of games and look, I, I'm an NBA fan. I'm out here really, I'm bashing them a little bit, but I, I want the NBA to be good. I really do. Right, so we, mm-hmm. you know, in the '90s when we watched those Knicks, we we loved every game was tightly contested, or at least it seemed like that. But anytime now you get a game like this, there's the article. This is why the NBA is so great. Right? It's right. like, you know, one game and people, the NBA fans, these real the, the writers, they hang their hat on that one game. Like this is why we love the NBA. Right? Like, well, what have you been watching for the last like two weeks here? Like it's been nothing but bad play or bad, bad competition. I should say. Um, How about for the last two, you know, six one game hours, three, after the other. Yeah. It's just uh, the, the games before that. I'm Orlando, Brooklyn teams that won games in that oh, series. They suck. They, I mean, they there's done, one thing to be overmatched. Yeah. Awful. Absolutely. Sal, these games are where, you know, I really do think, and I think to me, it, that's really all about effort. If these teams show up, and they play hard. Most likely, the games are going to be close. I really just, for some reason, some of these yeah. teams just, just don't bring it on a nightly basis. They just don't. Well, when you watch the NHL, these guys yeah. bring it on a nightly basis. Sal, they really do. They really do. I wish I wish it, out west it was more. So you got three. What you have at least what three teams in, in California that play hockey. Yeah. And right. does anybody like to talk about them out there? What, what's People the like hockey. Like, yeah, they talk like, about uh, it. It's obviously the Kings haven't been doing anything. That's <laughs> the, the main thing. I, I will say hockey has a different kind of problem. There is something to be said where, you you know, the regular season needs to matter a little more. Tampa Bay, the winningest regular season team of all time, gets beat, and not in a fluky way. They lost all four. But, crazy, crazy. The Columbus, same that, with Calgary, it, you know. One seed goes down, and I I agree with all that. But to 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 counter that point, I think the regular season does. The Islanders, who had over a hundred points, didn't clinch a playoff spot until the last week of the season. Right. So, right. 
Uh, you I know, got you. You can easily counter that too. You know what I mean? I know, but yeah, the problem is that two of the if Caps lose tonight, two of the six teams I think with a hundred points didn't make it through. But oh, listen, I, I like it. I don't I don't mind it because what you're watching is great hockey. I just, I don't think people know these players anyway. So you end up going these double overtime games are great. Harry, you were watching. Uh, let, let's you were watching the the, the Knights. What a terrible loss for them. Game seven, even game six was bad. Shorthanded, double overtime, they lose. But that was as bad as it gets, right? Oh, that's definitely as bad as it gets. But I will say this, though. I mean, you guys have been uh, definitely back a little bit to the NBA. You guys have been betting these uh, highest uh, uh, leads, and you guys are catching them. And you're, you guys are, were texting back and forth, and you guys are catching them. That's how you said it the other day, catching them with ease. You know, in the first quarter, these leads are, leads are 18, 19, 20 yeah. points. But I will say that, you know, and it just it makes for very bad. And last year was terrible. NBA was terrible last year in the playoffs. But I will say this, though, and I did mention this to you guys last night. I'm saying that we always, we like, you know, we're bat- me and Parlay Kid have been bashing the NBA all year. And, uh, but for what, it, for what it's worth last night, within 20 minutes of each other, we've seen something, you know, we watch all these games, we go back and forth, we bet them and everything. But this was amazing. It really was last night. It was a terrible loss for Vegas, but to get Lillard's shot from 37 feet to win the game and clinch the series uh, on a purposeful 37-footer, mm-hmm. and then also to see what the Sharks did with nine minutes left to go in the game. We've never seen anything like that, and we caught that both in the same night within 20 minutes. It was pretty amazing last night. Actually, it was pretty it special. It was good. But for those of you know, not everyone like Brother Bry has three televisions. It was hard to uh, switch back and forth between NHL well, and the... And, the, and, the, and, the and, well, this is true, Sal. Not only that, I mean, yeah. I, thank goodness Brian and I go to sleep at like one or two o'clock every night here on the East Coast yeah. because we were, able to, still, we were able to catch yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> Brian's still texting at three a.m. Eastern, so I don't know. <laughs> Brian, what, Brian? Yeah, I don't know why I'm complaining. Brian, we, <laughs> we like to bet the favorites all the time, and the favorites all came in the last three, four days. I don't know why I'm complaining, but I feel like I just complain about anything, but. I don't know what what could you do for the NBA first round? Is it, should they go to five games? Uh, you know, I, it it probably makes sense to go to five games. I don't think they ever will. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Silver's been talking about doing a couple of different things to change it up. There's got to be something they could do. I mean, we, you know, you guys have already said it, but I think this is actually like the third or fourth year where the first round, and actually almost all of the rounds are terrible. Like let's. Let's not forget, you might have great yeah. matchups coming up, right? but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have good games. I mean, I definitely think this is like the Steph Curry effect. These, these three-pointers, for whatever reason, these, you know, one team gets hot in a game, and then it, if they get hot early, it's pretty much over. Um, so it's, it's, it's really been tough to watch. It makes sense. Just think about the numbers. Let's say every basket was worth a half a point, right? Um, you wouldn't have 40-point wins, right? But if they're worth one, you would have a couple of 40-point wins. If they're worth two, you'd have a few. When you have three-pointers and everyone's making them and everyone's shooting them, you're going to have these blowouts. You just are. And like you said, Bri, Toronto plays Philly. You would think it's a good matchup. Toronto won three out of four. We're going to get to all these later. They won three out of four in the series season series. Not one game was closer than 12 points. So you're right. As the as we get the better teams and now the great eight or whatever you want to call it, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have more competitive games. But we're going to talk NBA. We're going to talk NHL. We're going to preview the three series lines that we know in the uh, NHL, the the Eastern in the NBA. Uh, jump on Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. 
Tate, one more thing, uh, Tate, well, just to involve you, I want to talk, you know, uh, it, it, I think over and over and over about Bill Simmons asking you to defend your league. I, I want you to speak up, speak up for, uh, you know, support your NCAA versus NBA argument. I think it's as simple as you just had to watch the Magic game yesterday and the Nets game yesterday. And uh, I think that speaks yeah. for itself. You don't have to say much beyond that. I mean, those games are completely pointless. And I, I wouldn't mind a five game series in the first round just based on how all that stuff played out. Right. Exactly. All right. We got that. We got, we're going to take care of all that now. More importantly, I think NFL draft is coming up. And this is the first draft you can bet legally online like last year you could bet in the casinos they you know they'd have not great props over under how many offensive players would be drafted how many defensive players but we're going to go over they have tons of them now that you could bet legally these props these draft props uh former nfl wide receiver now fs1 analyst tj hushmanzada is going to join us later i could talk football with that guy for hours he lets it fly he's going to try to help us make some money on incoming college players harry let's go to you uh, let me just quickly talk this Kyler Murray. This is unbelievable because a couple of weeks ago, he was minus 2000 to get drafted by the Cardinals. Now you hear some people are leaking information that the Cardinals might not draft them. It's down to minus 350 that he's going to be the number one pick by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you're right there in Arizona. What are you? You're not hearing anything, are you? Not hearing a word, not hearing a peep out of anything. I listen to sport a little bit of a local radio trying to get some info. I have a guy that's actually a friend who's inside uh, the Cardinals locker room. He's got no insight either. I mean, these lines, every year we, we you know, you guys always are betting these guys. These, and then eventually I fall in a cave and I do a, a parlay or I do a bet with uh, these two. And these lines just are up and down, yo-yoing all over the place all the time. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. that they probably jump more than anything else during the regular season of any sport around. These lines for the NFL draft are always crazy. All right. There you go. Harry's got his finger on the pulse. He's right there in Arizona, and he has no scoop for us whatsoever. So there you go uh, about Kyler Murray. What, what is your uh, draft prop specialty, though, Harry? What do you like this week? Uh, you know what? Um, well, again, like I just said, these lines jump. Uh, I am going to take with the number three overall pick, uh, Josh Allen, the outside linebacker uh, from Kentucky uh, yesterday. He was plus 140 in the favorite. Today, he's plus 200. He's not the favorite anymore. It's now Williams from Alabama at plus 130. And like I said, Josh Allen is now plus 200 with Ed Oliver uh, from Houston at 2-1 to one as well. Um, Oliver's a good pick, but I think he's a little bit undersized to take that, that high in the draft. Uh, the Jets need someone on defense to make some pass-rushing problems to the opposing team. Allen 6'5", he's 262 at the Combine. I think he ran a 4'6'40", which is great from a guy's size. Uh, he had 17 sacks last year and five forced fumbles on a very good Kentucky team. He had three sacks alone versus Penn State in their bowl game. Uh, I think he's an instant impact player, someone the Jets desperately need. And, again, remember, I still think Sam Darnold's going to stink, so why not take a defensive guy so Sam Darnold could still stink on offense for the Jets? That's true. That is true. Well, no, we know no matter who the Jets take, it's going to get booed and booed loudly or loudly in uh, Nashville. That Oliver guy from Houston, the linebacker was uh, he was favored all week, right, For, to be the Jets pick or at least to be no to be the Jets pick. I think he was right. I thought he was like plus two forty. Uh, no, yeah, it was. Well, oh, the, the news came out. Yeah, news came out this week that 
that Oliver was the guy that just like. But Oliver's a Oliver is a funny is funny one because when he was 18 years old, everybody said just assumed he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. Now, but he didn't really do anything to not be the number one pick. It's funny, but then he kind of fell down, and then there were people were like, he's going to go like 10 to 13, and now all of a sudden he's moving back up into like you know, in, into the top six again. So. It's funny what happened with them, but I mean that happens with all these drafts, I guess. There you go, uh, brother Bry. Who do you like? What's what's your big pick for uh, the draft? All right. Well, let me first say though, I feel really bad for you guys, you if for you, Sal, and for the Parlay Kid, because this is probably this is one of my favorite days of the year. But yeah. you guys do not even have a draft pick, which I, I know you got a you know you got. You got a lot out of Cooper last year, but I yeah, know that don't must, feel bad for us. We stole Amari Cooper from you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny for as much as he did. Like I'm, I'm still at this point in time. I'm, I'm so down on the Raiders that like I, I would just prefer the, prefer the first round pick. So, but right. I, I mean, it's just, it's just something I love. I mean, I, I love leading up to it, especially this week leading up to it. I mean, the betting on it is only a, is only an added bonus. Um, I think since I was a kid, I used to watch pretty much like these drafts round one through seven, you know, straight through. So, uh, like I said, I just, I feel bad, but, um, what I'm going to go, what I'm going to go with, and again, there's, there's definitely more odds out there this year than, than ever before. Um, Mm -hmm. and one of the ones that I saw that I really liked was the giants to draft a defensive lineman with their first pick, which is even money. So I think the giants draft the quarterback with their first pick was like minus minus one seventy. Um, even money for a defensive lineman. Then you had, you know, the linebackers were plus 200. The lineman was like plus uh, 175. So I just think, look, we all know it's time for Eli to go. But I just think, I, I, I think with Eli, it doesn't even matter. You could put the best line in front of him. He just steps into the pressure. But it just doesn't seem like the Giants are really that high on Haskins, at least from what I'm reading, from what I'm hearing. And it just doesn't seem like they're going to use a first pick on a quarterback. And I think what's going to end up happening is either Williams from Alabama, Allen, who who uh, Harry likes to the Jets, or maybe even an Oliver. I think one of those guys are going to end up falling to six, and the Giants can't pass them up. Because if you look at the G- Giants' D-line, they probably have the worst defensive line at this point in time. Maybe they probably also have the worst front seven in football. I mean, I couldn't name one guy on that front. Uh, yeah. I just and then what I think is going to happen is with their second pick, that's maybe where they'll take a kid Jones from Duke, where they'll maybe trade up again. Maybe they'll use one of their later picks or a pick next year to trade up, um, back at, you know back to like maybe twelve or thirteen to take another to take their quarterback. But I just think, again, I think it just seems like from what I hear from Gettleman, I think defense is where they're going to lean. Uh, and again, if you look at their roster, they lost Vernon last year. Or this offseason, I, I think they desperately—I mean, they desperately need a lot. But I think defensive yeah. is where it's going to go, and even money is, is pretty good. Yeah, for a team that needs a lot, a defensive lineman couldn't hurt at even odds. But yeah, like you said, gentlemen, this this Giants team is all over the place. I know it drives Harry crazy. I know he still wants Nasib to be the quarterback. I think and he still he secretly <laughs> talks about that. But there there has been talk about them oh, during the week. It said Jones was going to be a quarterback. They were going to trade up for. For maybe Haskins, who knows what the Giants are going to do? Parley kid, there's other odds. Uh, first running back select selected, Joshua Jacobs minus 500. Just that a running back will be selected. The over under is a half. Um, the over at so yeah. minus 330. Uh, first wide receiver. This is getting a lot of buzz. DJ DK Metcalf yeah. 
minus 135. It was a bigger favorite in the beginning of the week, and then you got the Browns, plus 175. Uh, A.J. Brown is plus 600. That could be worth it. What, yeah. what do you like receiver-wise? Yeah, well, so that's I, I, I did hit on the receiver prop last year. I can't recall what exactly it was, but I did hit on it uh, in the first round. The D- I like one. It, yes, right. It was more over Ridley. Was that what it was, Brian? I think you're right. Yeah, that's something like right. that. Yeah. But uh, I do yeah, like I do like the the plus money here on the wide receivers under two and a half in round one. You just rattled off some some names, Sal. Mm-hmm. There's really no Beckham, uh, you know, no Odell in this draft. Say as far as uh, you know, I'm thinking, uh, but there is good depth here. So what mm-hmm. I'm relying on here is I don't see a receiver going before like the 20th pick, and that's another one. First wide receiver over 18 and a half is minus 175. I think that's another good one uh, because I do think you can still get a pretty good receiver due to the depth of this receiver draft in the second mm-hmm. round. So I, I can see teams passing in the first and kind of hitting it in the second. That being said, I still think there's going to be one or two that go in the first round. I don't think it goes over two and a half. And at plus money, at plus 105, uh, I like the under and the receivers uh, under two and a half in the first round. That's pretty good. A team like the Dolphins can screw that up, I think, but they're another team that just needs so much. But if they, you know, they could do something dumb at 13. Uh, But yeah, I like the under two and a half. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna talk to and TJ Hushmanzad about it about wh- where you could wait. Can you wait on running backs more than you could wait on receivers? There's so much there's so much evidence of yeah. being able to wait on both through the years. Adam Thielen was undrafted. Uh, you got the Alvin Kamara's that you could wait on for the third round. David John, all those guys. Um, but it's a pass first league. It's it's weird, but I still agree with you. People think they can wait on wide receivers. So under two and a half uh, might be the play. How about this though? Uh, Alabama, Clemson, two and a half is the number of players for each of those. The Alabama, the over two and a half is a, I think that's like minus 290 or minus 300. Over two and a half Clemson yeah. players, you get plus 110. You got Christian Wilkins, uh, all defensive linemen, all giant guys, big space eaters. Um, I think these scouts see these guys in the championship game. They see that they're, these guys are men playing in the college championship game already. Uh, Clue and Farrell. The edge rusher, I think he's definitely going to get picked. And then it's like Dexter Lawrence, who weren't, they weren't sure if he's playing the semifinals or the finals. Another defensive lineman. I think he goes to the Patriots or the Chargers. Watch the Patriots get this guy, and he'll, he'll be, he's phenomenal at the number 32 pick. So I would go over two and a half for Clemson. It was plus 145. I think it's plus 110 now. Uh, that's jumping around. Yeah, I like that. I like that, Sal, because it's like if you look at if you look at any of the mocks, I haven't found one that doesn't have those three guys in it. It, it seems like yeah, right. All three of those guys. Yeah, yeah. You're not so, going mean, to get ridiculed for taking value. a Dexter Lawrence at, at 28 or 32, right. wherever the Chargers go, and I know the Patriots are last. Uh, Tate, what jumps out at you? Anything with this draft? Yeah, I was going to say the Clemson players thing is, in my opinion, pretty much a lock at this point. I mean, after their pro day, I saw a lot of people saying there were four or five guys that they graded out as first-round guys. So if the number's two mm-hmm. and a half, I like that. How weird. Last year they had a third round. They've never had more than two. I guess over two in a round is, is insane anyway. But last year they had a third-rounder. They've only had two twice uh, in the last, like, 10 or 15 years. But for a team that's been that good for that long is uh, strange to me. Uh, all right, let's move on to the NBA because we must. Um, there are odds. You got Raptors, Sixers. You got Bucks, Celtics. That's all we really have so far. Harry, you're t- going with the favorite in the Raptors, Sixers series. 
Yeah, I'm going to take the Raptors at minus 230. Uh, during the regular season, uh, they they uh, gave up four points less than Philly did. Uh, I think their defense is going to be able to shut down Philly's big three of Embiid, Simmons, and Butler. Uh, in this series, we, I know we discussed it earlier, the Nets still averaged, even though Philly handled them after losing the first first game, but the Nets still got 112 points a game versus Philly during the series, while Orlando only averaged 92 in Toronto, shutting them down. Uh, Sixers don't seem as focused as the Raptors are. After, like I said, after losing game one to Orlando, the Raptors won the next four games by a total of 75 points. And I know you mentioned, Sal, too, Toronto was 3-1 and one in the regular season versus Philly, and the games weren't close. Mm-hmm. Um, Toronto was seven games better than the Sixers in the regular season. I think this is time for Leonard to shine. I know he's done great in the playoffs before with San Antonio and, and won championships, but I think he's on a mission this year, too. He got 28 a uh, game versus Orlando, and this is really like his team. And finally try mm-hmm. to do something with Toronto and moving forward and getting them over the hump. I like Toronto, minus 230 to take down Philly, probably in six. Brother Bry, you like the same series. You like you're you are taking it a step further. You you like exactly what I like, and I've talked about this on Lock It In. Uh, tell everybody your pick in exact games. Uh, I I did not see that you liked it yet, but uh, yeah, I like the Raptors to win in five at plus four hundred. Uh, I'm not sure there's a lot of value at minus two forty in this series. Like unless you're parlaying that with somebody else, maybe you're parlaying that with the Bucks. But look, my logic is is simple on this one. Like I. I never like taking a team with home court advantage to win in six. It seems like it's easier to win in five than it is in six, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Raptors are 32-9 and nine at home. 76ers are a bad road team. So, 2 nothing Raptors right off the bat. Uh, yeah. Raptors are the third-best road team. They can easily steal a game in Philly. Like you had said it already. They went 3-1 and one against Philly. They went 3-0 and oh with, with Kawhi playing. All these games were blowouts. Uh, Toronto won a blowout in Philly already this year. Kawhi, this is the crazy stat, though. Kawhi is 13-0 and 13 and 0 in his career against Philly, which is amazing. Uh, they're, you know, they're a great three-point shooting team. They, they're good at stopping the three-pointers. They're a top defensive efficiency team. This, to me, just has the – like, I have a feeling that this is going to be very similar to the series with the Sixers and the Celtics last year. Like, I'm not a big – Sixers fan, when I watch them play, sometimes I'm like, oh, they don't really have many shooters on that team. Uh, you don't, you know, I know they have five really good play- or four really good players, but I don't know. I, I just don't think they they mesh that well together yet. Right, this yeah. right, plus this Icom guy, this Icom, he's he's got 23 points and eight rebounds in the playoffs. He's terrific. I, I, I just uh, wish they could. Cyclops? What did you say? Yeah, I don't know. Cyclops? Is that in the Cyclops? Shocker, right? <laughs> Brian, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I like Toronto five. I like the same thing. I uh, Kawhi, like you said, he averages I think thirty one a game this year. For, uh, aside from never losing to the Sixers, thirty one a game. Uh, and also, the, yeah, the home team thing. I, they take the first two. They startle Philly in Philly. And I think Joel Embiid. I don't think we see the Joel Embiid we, we've seen. Uh, he's gonna, Joel's going to have the. He's going to have these issues. Yeah, I don't know what you get. Are you going to get the MB that's compared to Lajuan, or are you going to get the one like the like I said, like he's a three-yard Raven, like where he can't walk, like Grady from Sanford and Son, just can't stand upright. I think that's the kind of guy we're going to get towards the middle of the series, and the Raptors close him out. Parley kid, I agree with your brother. I like your pick too for the other series, Bucks and Celtics. Which way are you going? 
So I'm going to be taking the Bucks in seven at plus three fifty. Um, I like Brian was just talking about the value. Uh, I, I I think uh, the last I saw the Bucks were I think minus two sixty to win the series outright. Yep. Um, but uh, I like this value in the Bucks in seven. So you know when you really look at the Celtics, you know. Besides the Spurs and Nuggets series, I guess, you know what the most closely contested series was in round one? It actually was the Celtics-Pacers. That that was a 4-0 series. But Mm -hmm. even without Oladipo, let's face it, the Pacers without Oladipo are probably really barely a playoff team. The Celtics had, uh, in three of those games, uh, the Pacers were within one with about six minutes left in three of those four games. So that series was relatively closely contested. I do think the Celtics are going to be very game in this series. They're battle-tested from last year. But the Bucks were 33-8 and eight at home this year. Uh, the Celtics last year were not a very good road playoff team. Uh, in 2018, they were 1-7. And the Bucks do have, let's face it, the best player in this series in the Greek Freak. And he's mm-hmm. ready to take the next step. I think the Celtics are going to be game. They're going to play hard. Stevens is a great coach. They did play pretty well in that first series. I'm not taking anything away from them. Kyrie was great. But I think the Bucks get over that hump. But it's going to go seven at plus 350. I really like the value in that. Yeah, and uh, like I, I was a little surprised by the Celtics. They're doing that without Marcus Smart. They had like six players who averaged double figures in scoring. It's kind of Celtics yep. basketball. We don't know if Smart's bad. We don't know about Brogdon also on Milwaukee side. But Parley Kid, I right. agree with you. I think this is the last series ever or in, until the Greek freak leaves that we will be able to get value in Milwaukee. Right now, the narrative is they have young players. They don't know what to do in a playoff situation. I think they're impossible to beat at home. Right. Uh, Detroit might have been the worst team, yep. so it's a bad gauge. I don't know who the worst team was. Yeah. Orlando and Brooklyn, I know they got wins, but it, it was it's hard to pick towards the end there who was the worst. But I don't think anyone could cover him. Uh, anyone could guard him for for 94 feet. We saw it. You know, Griffin's no slouch. Neither is Drummond. It's going to be a problem matchup-wise. I think this is a home game series thing. Everybody wins at home, 2-2, 1-1-1. If you can get the Bucks at plus 350 in game seven, a game they'll be favored by probably five or six points, it's uh, it's pretty good. You could probably hedge before that. Um, Tate, which series uh, jumps out to you? Yeah, if I look at the uh, Raptors Sixers series, I know Ben Simmons has struggled a lot against Kawhi. I think he had like something something like twenty four turnovers in the past three games going up against him. So that's something to keep an eye on. And also, uh, Marcus Gasol against Embiid. You mentioned Embiid looking like the three eyed Raven. I think Gasol is a smart guy, savvy enough to get Embiid uh, away from the spots where he wants to be on the floor. So I, I like the Raptors in that series. And then sort of the same thing. I can see the Celtics uh, sneaking. And, and winning that series somehow. But I, I just think the Bucs have looked the best in the East. So I like the Bucs and the Raptors too. Yeah. All right. Let's switch gears. NHL second round preview. We have three series out there. We have Bruins, a slight favorite, minus 145 over the Blue Jackets. The Sharks, minus 180 as of this morning over the Avs. And the Blues, minus 155 over the Stars. Blues have been waiting, it seems like, forever uh, to play. Um, Harry, which series do you like? You know what? I'm going to go with the Avalanche Shark Series. I'm going to take the Avalanche at plus 120 to win the series. My, our, our earlier picks, I was dead wrong. I thought the number one seeded Calgary Flames would roll over Av- the Avalanche because they just had to fight just the last two weeks just to get into the playoffs. But the Avalanche.
Avalanche were amazing. They rolled uh, Calgary. It wasn't even difficult for them. Uh, you've got a tandem of Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon. They've combined for 17 points in those five playoff games, like I said, versus the number one Calgary Flames. Uh, McKinnon had 99 points in the regular season. Uh, and I think the, the Sharks have a few old guys on this team, Burns, Thornton, and Pavelski. I don't, after Pavelski's injury, I don't even think he'll, who knows if he'll be able to even play. It's going to, that took a lot out of them. They, they, the, the, the Vegas team ran them ragged. Uh, they're playing, coming off the first playoff series win. Uh, and since 2008, the, uh, the Avalanche are, I think they're just rolling. And plus goalie, Philip Grubauer, he gave up 1.90 goals a game in the playoffs here against Calgary. And Calgary was one of the best teams. They were, I think they were second or third in most goals during the regular season. I'll take him over the Sharks' Martin Jones at this point. And Calgary, uh, I mean, excuse me, Colorado at plus 120. I think that, that as the eighth seed, I wouldn't be surprised. They're rolling so good right now. Them versus Columbus, I wouldn't be surprised if that could be the Stanley Cup preview. It's unbelievable. They're plus 120. I think the Blue Jackets are right around the same against the, against the Bruins. You know what else, Sal, too? Sal, yeah. something else, too, by the way. It, it, you may want to take this into note now that it's the playoff time and everything. The Calgary, excuse me, the Colorado Avalanche in the final five minutes and overtime of the regular season scored the most goals in the league at 53. And as of Friday, they led the playoffs with 4-2. So that might, mm. coming down late in the game, they're not afraid to go at it. No, and they had a fight to get in the playoffs, as you said. Oh, by the way, Pavelski is playing. He uh, came out this afternoon and said he was joking about the whole thing. He's fine. What about that, Parley Kid? What, what, Parley Kid, is that a minor? I, I, I think that's a cross-check minor if, uh, if he gets up and walks away. Yeah. Some people are saying it's a no call. I don't know. Really rough, uh, really rough yeah. ending for the Vegas Knights. Yeah, it's um, Harry's buddy, uh, John Jastrzemski, was uh, kind of commenting, commenting on that uh, today as well. I thought it was, um, you know, the hit itself, he got, he got cross-checked. That's the penalty. Uh, the cross check led to like another hit from another player coming. Like he kind of ended up running into a uh, skating or another skater actually skated into him. He mm-hmm. fell, hit his head. Uh, it, yeah, it's a bad look uh, for the NHL when anytime somebody hits their head, they're bleeding on the ice. But uh, at that point of the game, boy, uh, that's a tough way for Vegas to go out. I felt, I felt bad. I really thought that was a, uh, an excessive call. There are, there are, but, but you know, there are people in the industry. So a lot of the people, the, uh, who are doing the post game who agreed with the call and they probably know a little bit more about hockey than myself. So, well, what are you going to do? I still think you got to find a way to kill that penalty, right? right. Somehow or bad. another, right. you got a three goal lead. You got to find mm-hmm. a way to kill the penalty. Sorry. You maybe give up one, maybe two, but you can't give up four. Right. Know, so, that's, that's too much. Uh, it, just, it looked like it was bad just job by Vegas. Yeah. Uh, now you oh, like uh, Blue it's Stars? That like series, it. Blues have been waiting forever to, for this to play. They beat up on Winnipeg. That was bad, bad pick by me. I don't yeah. know. I felt like Winnipeg was in a lot of those games, but they just couldn't. They just couldn't get the job done. You like the Stars this series? Yes, I do like the Stars. You know, I I don't really know. It's going to be interesting to see what like the teams like the Islanders and the Blues that have been waiting around here for a long mm-hmm. time to play. And how that's going to affect them? Um, I'm not, you know, I don't think we can answer that yet until we see that first game uh, take place, uh, you know, in a day or two here. But I do like the Stars at plus one thirty-five over the Blues. 
Uh, so both of these teams had really good second halves this year, uh, and it kind of carried into into round one. Uh, obviously, uh, this promises to probably be a low scoring series. I think the biggest difference in this series, though, uh, is Ben Bishop. Look, I take nothing away from uh, Bennington, uh, the goalie on the Blues. I can barely say it, but um, he he's been fantastic in his own right. He's probably going to actually win the Rookie of the Year this year, but. Bishop, I think, is he's playoff tested. He is a giant in that net. Uh, he gives up less than two goals a game. And I think the Stars' number one line, highlighted by Ben and Sagan, uh, they, they were flying in that first round against Nashville. Uh, I thought that was a, a very impressive series win for themselves. I think that's going to carry over a little bit. And I think, you know, this is going to be a closely contested series again. Uh, but I think the Stars, you know, at plus one thirty-five, why not? Why not roll the dice with them in, in, in the series? Um, uh, yeah. It's going to be very close. Let's let's take the money right there. Let's take the money. Yeah. All right. We got two underdogs. By the way. By the way, our friend, uh, our old friend yep. Frank Tasson would be very uh, proud of your pick there, Parley Kid. The Stars. He would oh, play yeah. the Dallas Stars. You remember oh, yeah. Sega Genesis? What was NHL the big year? Ninety-three. Was it ninety-four? Yeah. Oh, Frank man. would play the stars, the stars, which is probably about the. 13th or 14th best team on Sega Genesis, and he would beat us. And it was so damn annoying. He didn't even enter tournaments in Comac. I don't even know. What was the name of that bar he would go to, like on Thursday night and play and beat everybody? Do you remember? I can't even remember what the name of it was. I can't. Was it Arizona? Was it Arizona's? Was that the name of the bar? By the way, that sounds familiar. That might be it. But he would beat everybody. (laughs) Uh, Mike Madonna and the Stars or whatever it was. I should mention, I should have brought this up uh, up front. We were six and two last week with our NBA and NHL pick. So brother, Bri, you and I went one and one. We could do better. Uh, we've given series bets out. Who do you like in these uh, hockey series? Yeah. Um, I'm going to ride the Bruins again. Um, but one of the things I like, you know, they're, uh, I don't know if I love, you know, the minus minus one fifty five, minus one sixty, wherever they're at. So I'm going to take the Bruins minus one and a half for the series at plus one for Ordi. So that means they have to win either four nothing, four one, or four two. While the playoffs have been chaotic, I think the Bruins were able to survive that ridiculousness of that first round, and they're definitely the best team remaining in the playoffs. They looked great the last two games and three of the last four games they were great. I think Columbus just has a much different challenge in Boston than they had against Tampa. I mean, Boston can win in many different ways. They're very physical. They block a ton of shots. They still score plenty. Uh, they won two of the three during the regular season. And while Columbus is going to be the fresher team, I think it'll be hard for them to keep momentum after the long layoff. I think it was nine days, considering they weren't a great regular season team. Like, if they were a better regular season team, I'd probably feel a little bit more confident in them. I'm just wondering if this, you know, they had that hot streak there, um, and now it's it might be too tough to get it back. And I, I don't expect another seven-game series here. So I think a plus 140 is, is pretty good value here. Yeah, I like that too. I'm going to be more conventional. I'm taking the Bruins minus 155. Uh, by the way, it's a, no, nothing against the Blue Jackets. I mean, that is not a fluke when you beat the one seed four in a row. But, Brian, what kind of odds would you put on the Blue Jackets to sweep when they're down 0-3 uh, in game one? What what the hell? What, what would the odds? Uh, Hundreds, right? Because I think it would be it would probably be fifteen to one just for the game one, and then to win the 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 next three, yeah, I don't know, it'd be a lot. But 
Oh I'll yeah, yeah. This. Oh yeah. I mean that. Yeah, at that point in time, well, shit. Because yeah, for them to win the series four zero, I think was forty to one. Wow. So when they were down three nothing at that point, yeah, you got to figure. Yeah, geez, if somebody gave there you, you odds there, it'd probably be like yeah, five hundred to one. Man. I knew Bry would bring it all together. Uh, here's what I'll say about this series, though. <laughs> the Bruins beat the Blue Jackets on March twenty first. Um, you know what other team beat the Blue Jackets after that? No other team. Does that make sense? Did I read that right? That no team has beaten them since March 21st. Here we are, April 24th. The Bruins were their last loss, but I'm not, I'm not deterred. Rask is a big-time playoff goalie, 937 save percentage against Toronto. I think Marchant, I think uh, Pasternak, they're doing a good job. I really like it. Atkins has actually struggled for the Blue Jackets. Uh, the Bruins, Bruins-Toronto, that was – uh, Parley kid, you brought up Nick's Pacers and Nick's Bulls. That's kind of what that series was. I think they loosen up. I don't want to say the Blue Jackets are soft because they swept the number one seed, um, but I think the Bruins win this. I think they do it four games to two, but I'm taking the minus 155 nonetheless. All right, that brings us to our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, the degenerate trifecta and I set sail tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of both this week. We have NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Uh, we, we got the NFL draft, obviously. Game of Thrones and Avengers. Captain Morgan had his hands full coming up with this, but this is what he gave us. Total kills this weekend. Who will have more? Arya Stark or Tony Stark? <laughs> Iron Man. Iron Man is laying 14 and a half kills, just a, a shade over two touchdowns worth of kills. Parley kids, start us off. Are you going to see this movie? I have not. Uh, the only Marvel movie I have seen have been, that was the, uh, have been the Iron Man movie, Sal. Hmm. So thanks, uh, thanks to Captain Morgan and this prop, I kind of had to look up like uh, Iron Man killed. You can actually find some of this information yes. on the internet. They actually have it available. So I had to look this up uh, thanks to a site called uh, Cinema Blend. Sorry, mm -hmm. Harry, it's not a porn site. Okay, <laughs> but um, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he knew right away when you said no. Didn't know. Yeah, he knew that. Yeah, I didn't. As soon as I said it, he knew that. Right. Uh, but uh, they attribute uh, Tony Stark's kill count at over seventy-five thousand mm -hmm. living. Beings, whether humans or otherwise, seventy-five thousand. Right. Arya Stark. You know what her kill count is, Sal? I had to look this up too. It's a measly sixty-four. Yeah. And since nothing has absolutely, absolutely nothing has happened in the first two episodes, her kill count has remained the same so far. Right. But with that changing face thing she can do, and this new dragon glass spear that she's uh, come across, mm -hmm. she's bound to do some damage uh, this Sunday night. But so obviously, that this can't come close to what Tony Stark as Iron Man can do. But take Tony mm -hmm. minus uh, the 14 and a half, Sal. Easy money. All right. All right. Arya Stark did kill some uh, sperm cells this week, but that's, uh, that is not to be counted, I will say. Uh, all right, Harry, you do not watch Game of Thrones. I think you're a Marvel guy. You know By the way, you're coming out this weekend. Yeah. I think we're going to go see the movie if, if you're uh, up for it. What do you think? Oh, definitely, definitely. Especially if you're paying, right? So I'm That's paying. right. <laughs> but, get the, well, what do you think about the prop, right? Harry? Is well, what I meant. What do you think? Oh uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm thinking. Uh, I, you know what? I did actually. I haven't watched it in full, but I did give you guys. Uh, 
I, I thought of you guys, and I tried watching a little bit of it this week, uh, Game of Thrones, and I gave it about 45 seconds. I couldn't understand a thing. Uh, you guys would probably give uh, Daughtry more time trying to listen and figure out their music than that. Than that. No, I couldn't wouldn't. figure it out, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to uh, so I'm going to jump on with Parlay Kid too. Uh, just what's the payroll for this movie? It's got to be millions of extra people getting blown away all over by Tony Stark. So I'm going to go with Stark as well. All right, brother Bry. All right. So let me just say when when that site came up with the amount of kills that Tony Stark had, if he had seventy five thousand kills, like seventy four thousand nine hundred fifty, where like he shot a spaceship in the sky and that was that that killed yes. obviously a lot of people that is true. so uh yeah so i'm going to discredit that um and just uh, i'd say they're probably their kill count is probably closer to even but Arya, just coming off of sex for the first time in her life she's going to kill everyone i think it's her <laughs> time on the show we haven't seen her kill more than you know she'll kill a person here that she changes faces she'll kill, kill a person here or there I think now is the episode where you're going to see she's going to kill 20, 25 people in this episode. I just don't think in the Avenger uh, in this end game, you're going to see Tony Stark kill that many people. Maybe he's even going to get killed. Hey, we don't, we don't even know. Maybe he'll be killed early on in, that, uh, in this move. So I think Arya getting 14 and a half kills is, uh, is pretty great. And I will say everybody is up in arms about Arya being naked in that scene. They they definitely covered the cider up, so you only saw like half a butt. So it wasn't it what really wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was fine. Everyone, you know, between that and uh, the te- tearing up at Brianna Tarth getting knighted, it, yeah. it, it, it's fine. Stop telling us how we need to think here, everybody. You know, and uh, but I will yeah, say, Arya yeah, Stark yeah, yeah. plus fourteen and a half. I think you're right, uh, Parlay Kid. You brought up that number, that seventy five thousand number. Brother Bry called it. I think he brought it, but he blow up a spaceship or a planet. I don't know what. I guess it was a ship with over 70,000 on it. And I think Stark starts this movie on a different planet, if uh, if my dopey kids are right about this. So he's got to get back. It might take him a while to do some killing anyway. I put it at 14 and a half only because he does have the power to blow up a planet, which uh, our Stark will not. But uh, I do like Arya. I do it with the new weapons and everything else and the new faces. I think she puts hers in the couple dozen range and Stark meets probably beats her probably has like 35, 40, but uh, is not going to cover the 14 and a half. Tate, do you have any thoughts on this? Stark I just, versus Stark. I uh, I just think they're both going to die. So uh, no matter how many kills they may have, I think they both no. will be dead by the end of the weekend. Yeah. Unfortunately. Really? Tony Stark's going to die. <laughs> I think they're, I think they're all going to die and they're going to pursue other projects. Interesting. I think Arya and the other Starks are a little too cagey to get uh, killed by uh, by episode three. But maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. All right. Either way, that's another week of Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. Let's uh, dip into the mailbag real quick. CousinSalAgainstAllOdds at gmail.com. That's where you could reach us if you want to join our Degenerate Gamblers Hall of Fame. You don't just join. We have to vote you in. And this is... More or less, I think, a submission. This is a pretty good, um, by the way, as we're speaking about Game of Thrones, from John Cocktoastin. Hey, Cousin Sal, I just had what I think is my favorite winning bet of all time, and I thought I'd share the good news. Last fall, I took a look at Game of Thrones props, decided to do a deep dive on a couple of them, try to gain an edge. Uh, the other night, I hit first female character 
to appear topless in season eight. Thank you, Arya Stark. 15 to one odds. I did way too much research here. Likely plot lines on Reddit, celebrity gossip reports, celebrity nudity porn sites that have totally jacked up my MacBook. Thank you. Uh, she read the field. Uh, he read the field. Cersei's body double in, in season five suggested Hetty was kind of out of nudity. Uh, Sansa Turner had never done nudity. Danny Clark been complaining about nude scenes. First episodes, uh, he got worried that he lost with Braun and the foursome, but it turns out there wasn't a field option at random King's Landing prostitute wasn't a choice. Second episode, the brief nudity warn, warning got me excited, but then I remembered that was probably code for dude's butt. Then the scene happened. She was certainly topless, but they didn't really show much beyond some side boob. I was rewinding that thing like there's a Pruda film, trying to see if it qualified. Anyway, it cashed this morning. I'm taking my winning straight to lifetime membership to Mr. Skin. If there's anything more degenerate than hoping an online sports book counts a nipple shadow as topless, you can win $400. And I'm recounting that tale to a podcast host. I'd love to hear it. Thanks for all the great shows and the consideration, John. <laughs> John, what was I, what is his name? You know, I got excited by this. John Cocktoasting. And then I read it to my wife, and she's John Cocktoasting was on Fletch. That was the name of a character in Fletch. So this guy's not really given his real name here. Even the email he sent lists is the same thing. I don't know, Harry, did we get this guy in or out? It's a pretty, went to great lengths to uh, make this bet. That is pretty impressive, no doubt about it. But I still think, uh, and uh, thanks for that, but, it, but it, I think it still falls a little short, don't you? A little short. All right, I do, I do. Uh, Parlay Kid, you, know? you, what do you think, in or out? Yes, uh, what was, what was the, um, what was the winning bet he had? What was what was Arya Stark? What was the to be the first? Because I, I I think this is what's circulating, but this, I think everybody's kind of forgetting. In, ep, in episode one, wasn't there were three girls naked in episode yeah, one? No, they were he, topless, he, he right? He counted that. He 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 talked about that. Okay, oh, okay. Geez, should I read, I'm okay, read I'm the whole sorry. thing over to you again? No, no, no. He said that. No, no, uh, please they, don't. No, there was no <laughs> there was no field bet. Uh, he was worried about the the whorehouse scene, but. There was no okay. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I must have. I just must have. Uh, That's all right. Yeah, yeah, so obviously, the story on, wasn't interesting start. enough. I have to say, obviously, I wasn't interested enough in his story. So, I guess <laughs> I have to say uh, no, to, no to it. All right, brother Bry, clean sweep. It's a nice story. I like it. It's a ridiculous thing to win money off of, but I don't know. Is he worthy? Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, it's a great bet to win off of. Um, Good thing he didn't bet uh, any kills in the second episode because we got zero. Um, yeah, nothing. But uh, yeah, it, it doesn't qualify for the Hall of Fame. Uh, if he had, you know, again, he'd, he'd need a little bit more to that story. Uh, maybe if he, mm -hmm. again, probably if he lost something, he's, you know, he, he lost uh, his savings on Game of Thrones or something like that, that would be, uh, that would qualify, but it's not enough. All right. Tate, as speaking of qualified as the. 709th ringer um employee qualified to make this uh, determination <laughs> what do you say <laughs> uh i'm gonna pass as well i, I think it's uh I, i'm happy for him that it worked out with the uh, the brief unity happened to be aria but uh yeah not enough mm -hmm. not enough gotcha tate you're excited about game of thrones you think it's uh you think it, it, it picks up here right yeah i mean apparently it's the longest battle scene ever filmed i'm sure brian knows more than me but apparently it's the longest battle film and tv yeah. film history coming up so uh i just want some death so i hope that's what i was promised when i started watching the show in 2011 yeah. so it's time for it to happen there you go there you go 
All right, Tate, and people can see you. One Shining Podcast. Is, is there one? There was one this week, right? You tell, you're very excited about North Carolina recruits. Yes, we uh, did a show Tuesday. We did top 10 way too early. You know, that's the model that they do in the offseason for college basketball. Way too early model. Uh, so we did top 10 storylines. Talked about Cole Anthony. Uh, Cole Anthony got mentioned on the broadcast because that's how bad the Nets game was. So Greg Anthony had to uh, begrudgingly talk about his son going to Carolina, which was nice. And uh, yeah, One Shining Podcast against all odds. And that's about it for me right now. So good times. There you go. Hey, hey, hey Greg named them too. It's too close to Carmelo's. What what I worry about, Cole. That's that's not good luck uh, going forward. But all right, and you're at the Tate Frazier, is that at, right? At the Tate Frazier, yes, sir. All right, brother Bry, what do you got going on? Uh, not a ton going on. It's funny when you say going on. Harry and I were talking earlier, and you know we always say to each other, we say, "What what do you got going on tonight?" And usually, when a normal human being would say that, they mean like, <laughs> "What are you actually? What are you doing?" And we just mean like, "What are you betting on tonight?" That's what our life is about. So, right. Um, but yeah, not too much. Uh, my daughters didn't have any games this weekend, so I didn't have to get too upset about them. Uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, there's a decent USC card on ESPN, so uh, I do like Kudalaba a little bit uh, over Teixeira. I don't know why those odds are, are even at this point in time. I feel like Kudalaba should be a sizable favorite, um, and I hate uh, Teixeira, so I will be betting on that along with uh, everything else. There you go. All right, and if you really want to know what Bry's got going on, 200 on Caps, minus 155, 200 on Rockets, first quarter, minus 3.5, minus 120, 200 on the Warriors, first quarter, minus 5.5, minus 120. There you go. Hmm. <laughs> now everybody knows. Uh, Just two hundred now, Yep. Big week, parlay kid for uh, for for the uh, for the spawn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, yeah. Thanks for uh, retweeting that yesterday, Sal. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, uh, Kyle, uh, my son Kyle, will be going to the University of Rochester playing football there. We've heard some from some people uh, from Rochester. Uh, their lacrosse team is playing uh, great. Uh, my son Matthew and uh, him, uh, Kyle, are on the lacrosse team. John Glenn Lacrosse has uh, been on fire lately, so uh, they're hoping uh, they can. Just, even for as much as they're winning, it's still going to be hard to make the playoffs due to some uh, power ranking system that uh, they institute here uh, in Suffolk County. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, and Harry, we don't have anything on uh, Joe uh, Ingles tonight, do we? No, By the no, way, he's got true, two man. threes already tonight, Sal. Uh, and well, Harry, he had two at halftime, uh, the game you had him over two and a half, right? Was that game two or something? Oh, no, game three, first home game? Yeah, no, I think three. Harry and I both needed him to hit one in the uh, second half, and he took like one shot the remaining of uh, of that uh, uh, half the other day. So That's um, a but weird But he's, he's got two today, so thanks for nothing. And Harden's yeah. over six today after a quarter. Yeah, hey, maybe, uh, maybe Utah wins this. There you go. And go Islanders. Right, go Islanders. Cap, caps are caps are up two nothing though. So I see that. Uh, it looks like That's it's gonna have news. to. gonna have the caps. Yep. And you're at the at the chalk talker and Harry. At the chalk uh, talker. Harry, at the chalk talker. You're coming, Harry, this weekend yep. to watch my kids. I have to put my, the the old lady <laughs> and I are going away for a couple nights, and Harry and his girlfriend are watching my three kids. I'm putting. The over under at two and a half children remaining when I get home, <laughs> and the under minus one seventy. Well, and Auntie Ivy <laughs> might be coming over tomorrow night too. We might have a big. We're supposed to be having a big game of hangman tomorrow with uh. Oh, my sister. Son. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's gonna be fun. 
still like the I, I like the right. even more now that you and my sister <laughs> are watching them. And you're at AAO Harry, is that right? You got it, bud. All right, good times. Hey, don't go away. TJ Hushmanzada, yes, wide receiver legend is on in a minute. After this break, we're going to talk NFL draft props. Hey, listeners, I've been meaning to talk to you about something for a very long time. It's called CBS Sports HQ. What is CBS Sports HQ? It's the free 24-hour sports network that's built for fans like you and me. I love that I can get tons of highlights, analysis, and instant game reactions, everything that matters about the game without diving into political and social issues like on other sports networks. And if you enjoy placing some bets or competing against your friends in a fantasy league, their experts are always dishing out their top picks and advice to help me win. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It's always on, always free. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. All right, we're back on Against All Odds. Going to talk more NFL Draft Thursday night. First round, 8 p.m. Eastern. You could bet on the draft legally. What a great world we live in. Really is terrific. And to help us make some money on the line right now, you know this guy. Cincinnati Bengals, great. Played for the Seahawks, Ravens, Raiders. Current pigskin analyst at FS1, my pal, TJ Hushmanzada. What's up, TJ? I'm good, Cousin Style. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm good. I, I want to ask you, I mean, you obviously were drafted. How? What does the draft mean to you? This was You were drafted in the seventh round, right, from Oregon State. Yeah. I know I, I accused you jokingly of going to Occidental College, which I think is around yeah. here in L.A., but what, you what went to Oregon theory, State. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. But you, uh, where were you when you got drafted? Were you at your house? Yeah, I was at home watching the NBA playoffs because, to be just frank with you, I was pissed off at how the right. draft was um, unfolding. For myself, mm-hmm. the draft wasn't it wasn't a great experience. I, I felt like a lot of guys that got drafted ahead of me, I was better than those guys. And so for me, it was a bunch, it was it was anger. Like I was angry. Like I'm, this guy gets drafted, it just made me angrier and angrier. Each receiver that got picked ahead of me, and then uh, you go to the mini campus. That's how it was when I got drafted. As soon as the draft ended, you had a rookie minicamp the following week. And so I had a boulder on my shoulder and just had a lot to prove. There you go. And then, so were people were, so you didn't even turn, I don't remember what was it like in 2001. Did they have a ticker? They didn't have the seventh round. Probably didn't show it live, right? Did they have a ticker on the bottom? No, yeah. Yeah. They, they had everything. You know, oh, it they was, did. Okay. when I got drafted, they did the first, second, third round, uh, the first day. And then, four through seven the second day. They had the ticker, but I was so I was so angry, Sal, that I was watching the draft and I got so mad I was like, I'm not watching this BS anymore. And I turned <laughs> to the NBA playoffs. And I believe okay. I believe the Lakers were playing the Portland Trailblazers. Right. Okay. Though that's when it was good back then. That was a good matchup. Yeah. Oh boy, so I'm looking at some of these receivers that draft. went ahead of you. David Terrell, Corn Robinson. Yeah, this is uh this Freddie, is not David you, Terrell was the first Corn Robinson, Rod Gardner, Freddie Mitchell, who I can mm-hmm. remember, Benny Sutherland, Cedric James. I can go on and on, man. I still remember these guys to this day. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. You're but, right. Santana yeah. Moss was one of them. Yeah, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I would be mad too. No, no. I will, I'm, honest, I'm an honest person. Santana mm-hmm. Moss, Reggie Wayne, Steve Smith, they were drafted ahead of me. They right. should have been drafted ahead of me. 
because okay. the way they played in the NFL. But Chad was drafted ahead of me. So those four uh-huh. guys, I'll give that to them. Everybody else, not at all. Right. I got you. See, I love it. This is why I like talking to TJ. He tells it like it is. And and you must have been, and when you're sitting there, you got, I, I know I would have annoying family members around me making the the situation that much worse. Was it like that for you or you just shut everybody out? I just shut everybody out. Like, Sal, when I tell you I was there, people can kind of tell when I get upset. So I just went upstairs mm-hmm. watching the playoffs and my girlfriend, who was my wife now at the time, it was just like, are you sure everything's going to be okay? I'm like, yeah, even if I don't get drafted, I'm going to be all right. And so, you know, it's my, my story is, is motivation for the kids that don't get drafted uh, where you expect to get drafted or things don't go how you hope they would. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. There's, there's more than one way to get through the door. You might not go through the front door. You might not go through the, you might go through the back door. You might go through the roof. As long as you right. get in the house, and get your foot in the door, it doesn't matter. I love it. That's a good attitude. All right. And you proved a lot of people wrong. So let's talk about uh, the draft. Let's start at top. Kyler Murray. All right. Now, here's what's weird. The last couple of weeks, this number, you can, like I said, you could bet on the draft, which is why I'm interested mostly. Kyler Murray was minus 2,000. That's, that means 20 to 1 odds against Kyler Murray being drafted by a team other than Arizona. And then there's some leaks. I don't know by who, but some not even too many prominent uh, uh, pundits out there. Kyler Murray's all the way down to minus 350, suggesting that another team could actually take him. W- what do you think? Do, uh, does Arizona take him? Is he worth taking, or is, is this a no-brainer? Well, what are we thinking here? So so ju- just, just from my perspective, Arizona has to take him, and right. I'll tell you why. Okay, you, you, I'm married. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's listening to this, if you're married, you're out to dinner with your wife. A nice-looking woman walks by and you say, hold up, babe, I'll be right back. Let me see if she'll let me take her on a date tomorrow. I'll be right back. <laughs> right. And then you come back, and she, what, what, what do you think is going through her mind? Saying every word she can describe to call you is what she's going to say to you. That's right. what the Arizona Cardinals have done with Josh Rosen. Hey, Josh, um, let, let, let us go check and see if Kyler would. You just can't do that. Even if you don't draft Kyler Murray, that's always mm-hmm. going to be in the back of Josh Rosen's mind. Always. Right. You wanted yeah, to draft sure. him. You just really couldn't draft him. And so, for me, you have to draft him. I personally believe Josh Rosen is going to have a fantastic um, NFL career. I personally believe also, if you're a general manager and you want to draft a quarterback this year, wouldn't Josh Rosen at worst be the number two quarterback if he was in this draft? Yeah, I think so. Why wouldn't you just why wouldn't you just trade for him? Is it because, oh, it doesn't look right to give up a first round pick for Josh? If he would be the number one or two quarterback in this draft, why would you just trade for him instead of drafting Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Jared Stidham, Daniel Jones, and et cetera, et cetera? Why wouldn't you just give up a pick at Josh Rosen? So the Cardinals, I think they should take him. From the looks of it, it doesn't seem like they will. They're just going to try to have to put the toothpaste back in the tube with Josh Rosen. I don't know how that's going to be done. Yeah, that's weird. You're right. You really are. And, and, and to add to your point, like, yeah, he's better than those guys you mentioned. And he comes with NFL experience. You got the jitters out. You don't have to worry about the first five or six games, right? He's, he's played the game. So that's fun. And like further along, I think you're right. That's kind of what happened, not to bring it off uh, football. That's kind of what happened with the Lakers, right? Like all these LeBron, who knows what the supporting cast, every one of those guys was mentioned in a potential trade. 
And now they have to play with LeBron. It's kind of the same thing as stringing Josh Rosen along and, and your wife and the girlfriend comparison. I, I, li- I like that a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, let me ask you, I, I think this is nonsense. I've heard people, maybe Murray, they're, they're skittish about Murray. He's 5'10". He clocked in right, right at 5'10". A one-year starter. You know, a lot of teams won't bite on a one-year starter. Uh, many have shied away from that in the past. But a lot don't want to miss out on the next Lamar Jackson. How much stock do you put in that, the, the height and, the, and the, uh, the guy who started for one year in college? Does any of that matter to you when you're looking at a quarterback? I mean, it, it matters because history has shown that uh, if you don't get two and a half, three years of starting quarterback in college football, the success that you have in the NFL at lessens. But football has changed. Football has changed in the last five, ten years now to where College quarterbacks are coming in. They're more successful. Carson Wentz, he did it. Mitchell Trubisky, he had some success. You you have these coaches and these teams that are implementing college schemes and certain plays to where they have some recall. There's some similarities to the to college offense that they've run in college. And so that that is decreasing as far as, oh, you know, he's only a one-year starter. I believe in Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray's going to be a stud. I really do. He was dynamic. He was fantastic at Oklahoma. So I assume, and I and I see him doing the same thing in NFL. You get to the right team, and you get the right pieces around you. But but install and do what he does well. Don't make him fit into your offense. You tailor your offense around him. Right. Yeah. No, I see that. And well, and the only thing I would say is, and I'm locking in. I made a case for the Raiders here. Now you got that owner. First of all, they're saying they're going to make a lot of. They're going to shake things up at number four, which means they might change the, uh, trade that pick anyway. I couldn't you see him? Couldn't you see Kyler Murray going there? Couldn't you see uh, what the Al Davis, what the 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 sons name, the one the one who cuts his own hair? Couldn't you see him doing? He you saved all his Mark money Davis. on the haircut. I could, that's right, Mark Davis. I could see him saving all that money, the haircut money, paying this guy. Now you got Kyler Murray going to Vegas. You got Antonio Brown. You got. I mean, I don't know. I I know they're not sold on on Derek Carr, so. Could the Raiders do something like that, or is that even too much for the Raiders? I don't see the Raiders doing that, and, and there's just one reason, and that's John Gruden. John mm-hmm. Gruden wants his offense run a certain way, and when I say the key word was his offense, you know how many times it was spider two wide banana. He, he, is is he going to implement? a type of scheme to where Kyler Murray can be successful, or is he going to say, Kyler Murray, run my offense. This right. is what I like to do. This is what I want. So that that's the only thing is, is with John Gruden. Will he be adaptable and say, okay, we got to move some things around. We got to change some things to benefit Kyler Murray, you would hope. But he wants to run his offense. That That's the impression that I get. But I don't know if that's a fit. Now, if he's willing to uh, bend a little bit and kind of, change things to give Kyler Murray a better opportunity to be successful, then, then why not? We know he's a great offensive mind. So that right there would help Kyler Murray within itself. Yeah, absolutely. Now we talk about the draft and you know, there's a lot of great offensive linemen, a lot of great defensive linemen, but let's face it. People who watch football. They're, they're highlight driven. They are. I just, I'm sorry. I'd rather watch TJ Hushmanzada dive for a ball at the pylon then see a highlight of uh, Jason Kelsey in the trenches, pancaking someone. That's just how it is. So that said, though, 
a lot of the narrative over the last few years is that you could wait on wide receivers. You could wait on running backs. Right now, this year, that Joshua Jacobs, uh, the Alabama kid, supposed to be the only running back taken in the first round, supposed to be over under two and a half wide receivers. Out of the two positions, you being a wide receiver, I think you know about this. Which one could you wait on the most? I mean, there's, there's you know, obviously Zeke, Saquon, they're top 10 picks, but you can get David Johnson or Alvin Kamara in the third round. At your position, DeAndre Hopkins, a first rounder, but Adam Thielen, I think, went undrafted. So which one out of the two positions could you wait on more, would you say? And I'm not just saying this because I played the position. Um, I, I believe you can find very good running backs mm-hmm. outside of the first round. And you can also find very good receivers. If you if you told me if I had to make a choice, I would say, oh, I could for sure find a better running back late in the draft than I could a receiver. Um, I was a late round draft pick. People would say, oh, he was an overachiever. No, I wasn't. You just didn't evaluate me the correct way. <laughs> Same thing with Adam Thielen. You know, oh, he was an over. No, he wasn't. He just didn't get evaluated the right way. But that that's what these experts and these scouts say because it makes them look bad because they didn't scout somebody that, oh, he just completely overachieved. No, you just didn't do your job the right way. And so I just, I'm a firm believer in, unless it's an Adrian Peterson, Ezekiel Elliott type of guy, I'm not taking a running back in the first round because right. there's so many. I mean, look at Tariq Cohen from uh, Chicago, but there's just so many backs mm-hmm. that kind of get lost in the shuffle. Look, look at the NFL. They want a back that can run the ball, but you want to also run routes and catch the ball. And there's so many of those guys out there that won't land in the first round. And, and it's a Kareem Hunt. Look, I mean, there's just, you can go on and on and on. And, and so yeah. for me, it's the running back position. Well, also, and you know, it's changed even since you played. It's a, it's a pass first offense. It was getting that way right towards the end, tail end of your career. Now it's just forget it. it, it, it everyone's pass happy, right? 4,500 yards for quarterback is, uh, not all of a sudden Hall of Fame numbers. So that being said, yeah, you want to probably investigate a wide receiver more. And, you know, you, you, when you draft the quarterback of the future, you like to think it's probably for a seven next seven or eight years. You might want to start thinking that way for a wide receiver. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, really, yeah. It, 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 one of those things, man, that teams are throwing the ball so often these days. You, you really – teams are built – O-line, D-line. If I'm running a team, that, that's the first thing I'm doing is O-line, D-line, quarterback. And mm-hmm. then you have to have receivers. you got to get D-linemen to compete with the O-linemen, vice versa. you got to get corners to compete with the receivers. That's how you build a team. If you have a stud of a quarterback, you have to get a receiver that can create separation. Speed is not the most important thing. It's the ability to decelerate and create separation. That is the right. most important attribute that a receiver needs to have. Granted, he's smart enough to understand things that he can catch the ball. Have you looked at these guys? Any of these guys uh, jump out at you that have these attributes you spoke of? Metcalf, or either the Browns that uh, Nikhil Harry is dynamite to watch, but I, I'm not sure if it, he, you know, he has those uh, attributes that you just mentioned. I mean, you you look at Brown, both Browns. Um, from mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Ole Miss. I like those two guys. I like them a lot. I actually like A.J. Brown more than I like D.K. Metcalf. Um, Nikhil Harry is he, – he, it, it, he's a he, – you just don't know. because He didn't play with a great quarterback at Arizona State, mm-hmm. but he put up really good numbers. So if he's playing with a better quarterback, that does he have better stats? I mean, you, 
He has great hand-eye coordination. He's going to win the 50-50 ball. So go get the ball. That that Those are things that you like. Hopefully, in the NFL, there's very few wide receiver coaches that are going to get you better. Very few. Uh-huh. And so I know of one personally. He's the only one that I know that knows what he's doing. That's Eric Driver from the Rams. But outside uh-huh. of that, I mean, there's just not many receiver coaches that really understand the position. They'll teach you football. And, and so, but those three guys, I trained a guy that's going to be, he gets to the right team, Keelan Dolph, UC Davis, stud. Uh-huh. 6'3", nice. 2'10". Okay. De- but he went to UC Davis. He went to a small school. He's going to surprise yeah. a lot of people. And, and so yeah. there's going to be guys that get drafted in the first round. You're going to expect the world of them. And there'll be disappointments, and there'll be some that will be, they'll live up to the hype. It is get to the right team, get with some great coaching, but it it's a crapshoot, man. And that's why half of the first round are great players, and half of them are bust. It's an inexact science. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of these small school receivers are the way to go. Obviously, the best ever, Jerry Rice, went to Mississippi Valley State. You spent your years at Occidental College, right? So there's a lot to be <laughs> said. Uh, I'm going to circle A.J. Brown at 6-1 to one odds to be the first receiver uh, drafted because that, that seems to be the most up-in-the-air uh, position there. Um, anyone else jump out at you on the board or anything weird about this draft for you? No, you know, the, the, the key to me would be where, where, where does the second quarterback get drafted? Now, if, if, if Josh Rosen is traded, then he in turn would have been the second quarterback drafted, so to speak, because the team is traded for him. Um, right. This is assuming that Kyler Murray will be the first. That that I think once that second quarterback gets drafted, um, I, I like Garrett Stidham a lot. You know, he, he's accurate. He throws with anticipation. I, I like him a lot. And so once that second quarterback goes off the board, whether it's Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, or Josh Rosen being traded, then then I think you'll start to see things uh, fall into place. The draft is so defensive line heavy, um, and just defensive heavy. Period. You'll you'll see a lot of those guys go early. And then the picks that nobody really cares about after tomorrow, uh, those are the guys that really make their team. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at Haskins. I like him for the, he's probably really good fit for the Redskins. I heard Doug Williams talk about him and like, they're definitely willing to draft there, even though you know, the Alex Smith doesn't look like he's playing in 2019. I think they traded for case Keenum, but I think uh, Haskins went to high school in the DC area. I think Potomac somewhere around there. I could see him, uh, Landing there. I'm very excited about this quarterback thing. The over-under is three and a half for the first round. You go over or under three and a half quarterbacks. Is Josh Rosen included in that? No, no, he's not. All, only, only oh, I'm going up. I'm going, I'm going under. Under. Okay, so you say Locke I doesn't make it? Locke doesn't get in the first I round. If, if he does get in the first round, it, he would, it would just be him, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, or Dwayne Haskins, Joe, Kyler Jones Murray, from Duke. Yeah, he's the only one, other one I heard about. Jones from Duke, Giants, maybe some uh, interest, but I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going under. But you, the way okay. the NFL is, man, you know, once one or two goes, it's like, oh my god, let me get my guy, let me move back in and get my guy, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or do you say, you know what, man, let us uh, suck this year and see if we can get to it next year. You never know. Right. Right. That's the fun too. And you got Aber too, though, or the Oregon quarterback. Um, one more thing, because you know, the Patriots are going to ruin everything for everybody. They're going to get some stud. I can see that uh, Dexter Lawrence, who, you know, obviously I, I just think these Clemson players, 
by the way, you could go over two and a half Clemson players to, to uh, get there. I, I gave that out earlier. I kind of like that. These, these space eaters up the middle. I think, I think that's the scouts over. Are, I think that you, will go over two and a half. I that's yeah. over. That's what I think. Yeah. So, but that Dexter Lawrence would be the third one. Could be someone like the Patriots take, or do you think they take a tight end there to replace Gronk? If Noah Fant is on the board, he's good as mm-hmm. gone to the Patriots. I train, I train him. The kid is a stud. He's super athletic, fast. I mean, he plays like a receiver, but he's as big as a tight end. Um, from the list, somebody's probably going to be gone before the uh, Patriots pick. So you, you just don't. You would think they they want a replacement uh, for Gronk, but with, with all right. the draft picks they have, you you never know what the, what the Patriots are going to do. They're they're smart enough to where if they don't have a guy that they really like, they'll they'll trade the pick accumulate more picks for uh, the drafts in the future. But I I do look for them to try to draft a tight end and replace Gronk. They're too smart for this draft. Don't let the Patriots draft anymore. It's like the you go to the the carnival game and you got the gun, you know, the the shooting game, and you got some some sniper who's done it, you know, some green beret. Like now, you can't play this. You're gonna win the big uh, the big the stuffed animal every time. The Patriots are the same way. Enough, enough. We get it. You own the draft. It's annoying, isn't it? The pace, I mean, they, they do a good job, but it, it, you look at Bill Belichick, I mean, look at his track record with drafting the receivers. Terrible job. And so right. they, they they miss like everyone else. It's just their misses. They're, 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 able, to, uh, they're able to get by. They, they right. don't draft receivers well, but the guys that they bring in, they get the job done. And so, again, inexact science, but the Patriots have hit more than they've missed, and, and that's why they have the success they have Especially when you got twelve back there, as long as twelve is back there, you you can miss a lot. It's true, you can miss a lot. You could you could shotgun beers at Bruins games. We saw Edelman last night doing it. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable how they do it. Uh, one exactly. more thing, TJ. Thanks. For the, you know the the Saints. Obviously, I lost a lot of money on the Saints this year in that game. What do you think of the rule change, pass interference? Uh, it it's reviewable now. Do you think that's that they went about it the right way, or is this just to shut everybody up? And it's not going to work. Ah oh, man, that's gonna be tough. It has to be to shut everyone up. That there's out. There's literally pass interference on every call, both ways. I mean, every sure. play, every play. There's, I mean, guys, receivers pushing off, DBs grabbing. If you score a touchdown on one side of the field, but a guy is being held on the other side of the field, or a receiver pushes off, is that pass interference? The, the quick screens that are being thrown now, if they're blocking before the ball thrown and it's not caught behind a lot of scrimmage, is that? Re- there's just so many things, so I think they need to really hone in and make sure that it's in black and white. This is what is reviewable, and so that certain plays aren't called back because of technicalities of of the rule. Make everything in black and white so everybody has a great understanding of what is what. Right. I agree with you. They already have a line on, I'm not even kidding, on how many pass interference calls in the in week one will be overturned or will be created as a result. Eight and a half, which seems like a lot. And they, every other game is going to have a pass interference in it. But, you know, obviously the Saints probably should have gone the Super Bowl. You don't want to get that wrong when a, a play so blatant. But I think you're right. It's just it's, it, there's too much to consider. But, we'll get a ton in the preseason. We'll get a ton in the preseason to let all the teams know we're serious about this. And then they'll kind of tone it down once the regular season starts. That's what I believe will happen. Right. That's the way. That's the NFL way. TJ Hushmanzada, I love it. Thank you for call, coming on against all odds. You were great. Uh, can't wait to talk to you backstage about poor officiating and uh, other stuff at FS1. <laughs> all right, so I'll take care, brother. Take care, pal.
All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Watch Locking In Monday through Friday, 4.30 to 5.30 Eastern on FS1. Jimmy Kimmel Live, 11.35 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that for the Degenerate Trifecta, Master Tate Frazier and TJ Hushmanzada. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Na, 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 na.